You should have a set of notes. If you don't have a set of notes, the ushers will run you a copy. So raise your hand if you don't have a set of notes. This morning, should have gotten them coming in. Awesome, good job, ushers. And, uh, I uh, really uh, appreciated the word last week from Des about just, uh, we've been on the series of the names of God and uh, in hopes that, uh, and, and with the desire and the plan is, is that we get to know him better through knowing his name and, and, and what he's like and what he's about and so forth. And, you know, El Shaddai, which he spoke on last week, uh, was God Almighty. And we, we looked at Elohim in the beginning. He's the great creator of everything. And, uh, and Jehovah and Adonai. And uh, Jehovah stood for uh, the relational side of God. In other words, uh, oftentimes people are raised in an environment where God is just somewhere way out there and we're just down here coming to church every week and that's kind of the sum total of it all. But in reality, that's not it. God has had a plan from the very beginning. It says he, he and the Godhead, the Trinity, put together the blueprint and the plan uh, from before even the foundations of the earth. And so... Uh, part of that plan was to uh, deal with uh, the, the enemy, the devil. If you remember, he was cast out of heaven down to earth. And, and it was Adam and Eve's mandate or responsibility to, uh, to take dominion over him. And obviously we know the story where man fell into sin and forfeited the right and authority, but... In the plan of God, he had Jesus' plan, which Jesus in the New Testament is actually called the last Adam. He had Jesus in the plan to come and to redeem mankind and to complete and fulfill the mandate of uh, taking authority on the earth. Uh, he's never given up his right to be God over everything. And, and so as we are going through these names, I think we recognize that he is the great creator. He is the almighty God. He's all powerful and, and he's dynamic. And we need to know that so that it'll counter any type of fear that arises when we th see things happening around us. We can stand back and say, whoa, wait a minute. I don't have to take on what's called the spirit of fear because I'm under and serving the almighty God. And, and, and he's greater than everything and created everything. I have not an ounce of thing to, things to fear. And, and yet even in this day, we see fear uh, across our nation and really around the world. We see fear over this whole COVID-19 uh, virus that's uh, spreading around. But yet as the people of God, as we saw in the Old Testament, when the plagues came, uh, they did not affect the people of God that were walking with God. And, and, and he, they were protected. And when they were in the wilderness for 40 years, they were protected. It said their clothing didn't even wear out. So when all other natural resources, which they were dependent on, um, uh, gave away, and they're out in the middle of a wilderness, God provides a rock that brought water to them, fresh water, and he provided manna for them, bread, and then he provided meat for them all the way through this process. And, and I think that when we see that, we can be confident that God's going to do the same thing for us. But God's a covenant-keeping God, even as Bob shared 
this morning, and I've watched Bob's life over the last you know, 20 years uh, being faithful in his giving and sensitive in offerings and, uh, and so forth, and then God blessing uh, their household in return. Uh, and, and, and God's a covenant-keeping God. And so when I read the scriptures, that's why we put a lot of Bible up here. I want you to read his word because faith is going to come to your heart by hearing his word. But it's also going to instruct us on how do we live. You know, how do we live? How do I live everyday life? How do I make God real in my everyday life? Because that's really what he wants to do. Jesus demonstrated that in an amazing way to the, to the point to where him being God himself said, I don't do anything but what the Father says to do. And so he brings, this into the, uh, brings us into his life so that we can live as he lived and we can live in the right fashion. You know, in the garden before sin came into the world, they didn't have all these crazy things to deal with that we deal with today. They just had an open relationship. It said Adam and Eve walked and talked with God in the cool of the evening and things were clipping along well and until sin entered in. But Jesus came to redeem that back for us to what? As the last Adam to bring us back to that position and that placement with God so that we could relate to him, hear him, know him, and so forth. So I felt that it would be important since we're going to be going through some of the names of God that will be connected to Jehovah, which Jehovah, as we mentioned a few weeks ago, is the relational side of God. In other words, can I really know God? Can you really know God? Can he really relate to you? How do you relate to God? You know, or, or, or is he to you way out there? You know, when I grew up around uh, uh, primarily uh, Hispanic families, they all wore a cross, or they wore a little, it was a little round oblong uh, medal of uh, Mary around their necks all the time, and they were constantly kissing it or doing something with it, uh, you know, and then the whole, they were just constantly doing something. And, and, it, and I thought, well, Lord, is that what you're about? Are, are you that far away that you're in a, a piece of metal or something? And, and I never quite saw, uh, growing up around it, I never saw a relationship. And I never even heard tell of a relationship with them, with God. And so it kind of never made sense to me. And, 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 and I'm not saying that they don't have a relationship with God. I'm just saying what I experienced were people that were li actually living as bad, some of them were my friends, or worse than I was, yet they were wearing the cross. They were wearing... Uh, the metal, and I thought, there's just, there's just, you know, what's in that? Well, there was obviously a wrong understanding of who God is, and can we really relate to Him, or is He way out here? And only in their minds, it was only the maybe the Pope that could relate to God and then relate to them. And, and so it was just a whole system that I observed <clears throat> that never moved me because it never seemed to move them, and and so. I thought it would be good as we're talking about God and we're going to go into Jehovah Jireh, the provider, Jehovah Rapha, the healer. We're going to be going through some of those names and I believe that uh, a revelation will come to you in those names. But I wanted to, I wanted to take a pause and, and do kind of a, a, a relational thing this morning. Can you really have a friendship with God? 
Can you really relate to the one who created all this stuff that's around us? I mean, no matter who you are, you've got to admit it's pretty phenomenal, isn't it? The way everything works. The way everything works is so phenomenal that it's almost, you'd almost have to be challenged for some reason to deny that there's a God with everything that's around us. And, and even the Bible says that nature will reveal who he is. So what kind of relationship does God really have with you? And that's what I want to talk about today so that maybe we can take a step closer to it. Because we're not after uh, just for him to heal us or just for him to give us money. or just for, We're not after that. We're after a relationship with the living God who has a plan and purpose for your life and for this world. And he's needing us to step into that, but that only will happen through relationship. Only through relationship. And so we'll look at that for just a moment this morning and hopefully we will maybe glean some things that will help us all step further into that. Let's pray. Father, thank you this morning that uh, your word says you're the living God. Your word said that God, we could be the friend of God. Your word said that we are created in your image and in your likeness and we bear it and we saw it in Jesus's life. And, and Father, I believe that you want to open up the eyes of our understanding to a greater degree concerning how we relate to you. And God, I pray that today your word, your truth would just open up the eyes of our understanding and give us all, Father, a fresh view and a fresh perspective of who you are. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. In the Old Testament, there really wasn't a lot of people that were actually called the friend of God. But there were some. Uh, there were some. You know, when you think about Abraham and um, Moses and David, and remember Enoch, you know, he walked so close with God. I love the fact that God throws these examples in. He walked so close with God that the Bible says that he just took him. Yeah. Took him to heaven. <laughs> He's there. He's, he, went with, he went early because of that closeness of relationship. And then when you think about uh, Job, and, and it says he was the friend of God. But there's not a ton. There's not a ton throughout the Old Testament. Most of them lived in fear, in fear of God, because he was, he was an almighty God, but people had so rejected him that it was, it was beyond our comprehension. And we think of stories like Sodom and Gomorrah and how they got so, so twisted, so perverted with their lives and their lifestyles and the rejection of God that it was completely destroyed. But yet out of the love of God, because of his friend Abraham, Lot was escaping. And, 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 and that was because Lot, I mean, Abraham interceded for Lot and was willing to go in and do something about it. But he had a relationship with God. And, and, and in the Old Testament, as most of you know, the structure was set up so that the priest would go in to God once a year but listen to this, he had to do months of preparation so when he stepped into the actual presence of God, when he stepped into the presence of God behind the veil, that he wouldn't be killed. Right. Uh, tradition says they tied a rope around his, uh, his ankle so that if he didn't do everything like he was supposed to and fell dead, they could pull him out because you couldn't go in to the very presence of God. I mean, that's how bad it was. No wonder most people lived in fear and the wrong kind of understanding of God. And, 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 and he prepared weeks just to go into his presence. Hebrews 9 
and seven just gives us a quick idea. But only the high priest entered the inner room and, and that only once a year and never without blood, which he offered for himself and for the sins of the people who had, who had committed them in ignorance. So once a year he went in there, or they had, you probably know for the most part, they had to slaughter animals and so forth to go into his presence. Uh, and so we see that. And then uh, we move into the New Testament and uh, we need to know this in Ephesians chapter two and verse 13. But now in Christ Jesus, who, uh, who was, we were once afar off, have been brought near by what? The blood of Christ, and if you if you know the story, he finished blood sacrifices. That's why we're not having to do those any longer to go into God's presence. Yeah. But he did that for us, so we can go into his presence. Yeah. Well, it's an awesome thing when you think about it, and and, and and we come into that, and that's why we, we, we in worship we just say, man, enter into his presence. He's here. There's no more priest. Jesus changed the relationship that we could have with God. And, and, and now anybody can have direct access to God. That's what Jesus went to the cross for. That's why he suffered the pain and the agony that he suffered is so that he could deal with all sin, all sin, all sin, so that you could now go in. And I just think, wow, I don't wanna forget that. I wanna remember what he did for me, so I will go in. Because it seems that when we forget that, all of a sudden we get kind of lazy about our love and worship for the Father and our passion for him. We just get lazy about it. And, 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 and I, don't ever, I don't ever want us to do that. And God is so interested in having this relationship with you uh, that he did everything that he could to make that possible including the sacrifice of his own son. Sacrifice of his own son. Amen. James chapter four, verse eight says this. It says, draw close to God and he will draw close to you. So, so I have to take that verse and look at it and say, well, do I feel, do you feel that God is close to you? Do you feel that? Do you recognize that? Do you understand that? Because you know in, in natural relationships, especially in a marriage relationship, you feel something about that person. And, and, and this is what he's saying. Draw near and he will draw near to you. And so my question might be is, okay, if I don't uh, sense God's presence and feel his presence and feel his person, is it, does it mean that he's hiding from me or I'm not drawing close to him? See, and the reality is that means I'm not drawing close to him. I've allowed things to get in the way, and, and we're gonna be real about this today. I've allowed things to get in the way where I can just live a happy life coming to church on Sundays and doing a few good deeds and leading a small group and all those things are great and necessary, but not without God. How many can say amen? amen. This is really true. And this is God's heart. His heart is more for you than anything else that he's doing on this planet. He's planning eternity for you. He's planning eternity for you. And he started the day you got saved. And yet we forfeit that. We think that maybe in the sweet by and by, something's going to happen great. Oh, we'll be out of here. It'll be awesome. And granted, it will be. 
But I'm not so sure if I don't start eternity now what it might be like. If I could just throw that out to you and let you think about that for an eternity. Romans chapter 5, verses 10 and 11 says this here. We were restored to friendship with God by the death of his son while we were still his enemies. So we will certainly be delivered from eternal punishment by his life. Now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God, all because of what our Lord Jesus Christ has done for us in making us friends of God. Wow, what an awesome thing. Why did Jesus, when he was part of this plan, when the Godhead, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, when they were planning this, what was on Jesus' heart and mind was you. I'm going to die for you, Pam. I'm going to die for you, Chelsea. I'm going to die for you, Peter. I'm going to die for you, George. I'm going to die for that person so that they can have this, this relationship with God that it will be necessary for eternal life. That, that, that's, a, that's the real picture right there. And I think of everything that we try to do and accomplish for God, if we miss that, we have missed the most important thing in our life. And we will spend this life, and maybe because you accepted Jesus as your Lord and your fire insurance, your fire escape, you'll get to heaven. But, you know, I don't think that's what you want to do. He says, I'm, we restored, we, are, we were restored to friendship with God by the death of his son. John chapter 15 and verse 15 says this here. He says, I no longer call you servants. Instead, I call you my what? Friend. Wow. Now, let that come in because I want you to walk away from here saying, wait a minute. God wants to be my friend. But I don't feel like he's my friend. I feel like he's out there to do stuff for me. I feel like he's there to protect me. I think he's there to do all these things for me, but yet I'm not feeling the friend thing. I'm not experiencing the friend thing. And the friend thing has a lot of pieces to it. It has a lot of fun stuff to it, doesn't it? Think about your best friend. And why are they your best friends? Because you do stuff together. You talk about stuff together. You agree together. You, you have this relationship that's amazing. Now, I understand social media is messing that up. You know, you got so many friends. And you tell them all the time you like them. And so that's got to be deepening that relationship. And you walk away filled and filled and heartwarmed every morning after you get off of Facebook. You did it. I did it. I made the connections. But yet God has so much more for us. He has this, uh, and really the, the word friend here in John 15, 15, if you look at the Greek, it has to do with a close, deep, it actually has to do, which we just experienced last weekend, it has to do with the best man in the wedding. That's what that word friends means and meant to them. The best man in the wedding is what God wants you to be to him. And when you think about it, you know, a lot of times people go through agony. You know, got a lot of friends. Who am I going to pick? 
Who am I going to choose to be that person that's going to stand right next to me for one of the most important decisions I've ever made? And so you kind of go through this process, but, but he no longer calls you a servant. You're not a servant. You're a friend. You're a friend to him. You're a friend to him. You're close. You're, you're, you're close to him. You have that potential and that ability. Exodus chapter 34 and verse 14 says this here. He is a God who is passionate about his relationship with you. So even in the Old Testament, God was trying to communicate, even through all the blood sacrifices and all the animals that had to be killed and all the rebellion that was going on, all that was happening, God was still reaching out to say, I want a relationship with you. I want you to experience uh, my presence and my person in a relational way. I want you to know me, and I want to know you. You see, oftentimes it's a friend that will help you to overcome things. Isn't that right? Yeah. A good friend. Yeah. A good friend is going to help you to overcome things. Some just because they're there for you, and they bring an assurance to you, and they're able to speak into your life and into your heart some things that are meaningful, and you receive them because they are meaningful to you. Because you care about them, You'll receive what they have to say, and this transforming process takes place sometimes simply by that, doesn't it? You just, you know, there's people you know, and you just kind of admire them, and you go, wow, that person's amazing. I want, I want that. And, and that transformation comes. Just think if your relationship with God grows and builds to that level. Could he take you from glory to glory to glory? Yeah. Why? That's what he's after. He's after that. Deuteronomy chapter 5 and verse 9. You must not bow down to them who worship them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God who will not tolerate your affection for any other God. So see, he's making these strong statements to them because there were, in that day, idols everywhere. We actually have idols here today, but we just... Oftentimes, we don't make them look like they did. But there's idols everywhere. And he's saying, listen, I'm not going to share you with anybody. If I can just put it this way, uh, the DWB translation, it's all or nothing. Because he understands what happens if I leave a piece of me somewhere else. That's why those stories that we never understood in the Old Testament where he said, when you go in, destroy it all. Men, women, children, animals, kill it all. And it's like, God, how can we get that? But what he understood was they were already the enemies of God. They'd already made the choice. And if we didn't destroy them completely, they would come back and destroy us. And so he tells us, listen, don't have any other gods. Don't have any other gods. Worship me first. Put me first. You know, and he says that, doesn't he? He says, hey, seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added to you. I'll take care of the things you have need of. And we read these verses, you go, God, you're, I'm a jealous God who will not tolerate affection for any other gods. And I, I just, as I restudying this, I just thought, wow, I wonder what gods I have that I'm hanging on to that are just a little bit above him. Or maybe they're just equal with him. And I thought, well, as long as they're not above him, I'm okay. But yet they're there. And they're little things that keep me. 
Keep attached to me. Listen to Hosea 6, 6. It says, it says I, I don't want your sacrifices. I want your love. I don't want your offerings. I want you to know me. We're in the Old Testament where sacrifices were required. They were actually required still, but God said, you guys have so missed it. I don't want your sacrifices. I want your love. I don't want your offerings. I want you to know me. And I read those verses, especially in the Old Testament, and I think, wow, God, you've never start, stopped shouting the same message. For God so loved the world that he gave his son that we could have eternal life and we could live with him. And it's just like, wow, God, you're, 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 you're so amazing. Look at Acts chapter 17 with me for just a second, verses 26 and 27. Starting from scratch, God made the entire human race and he made the earth hospitable or livable. We could live here with plenty of time and space for living so that we could seek after God and not just grope around in the dark, but actually we could find him. And again, repeatedly, 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 I love you. I love you. I love you. I want a friendship with you. I want a relationship with you. I want to know you. I, and if you seek me, you will find me. And it's just over and over and over again, isn't it? Just throughout the Bible, it's hard to not stumble over these verses from the Old Testament, from the very beginning to the very end. Even Sodom and Gomorrah was an act of love by God. And I think, wow, Lord, help me to step into this. So I want to just give us a few quick points. Hopefully, uh, 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 how does a person build a friendship with God? How am I going to do that? How are you going to do that? And, and if you're online, if you uh, email me, I will send you the notes because we all have notes here. I'll be glad to send those to you. So just uh, either make a note of it or email me. Uh, how does a person build a friendship with God? Number one, number one on your notes. Make knowing God your number one priority. Make knowing God your number one priority. That's number one. You can line there for that. Make knowing God your number one priority. Philippians chapter 3 and verse 8. Look at this here. Everything else is worthless compared to the priceless gain of knowing Christ Jesus. <clears throat> Excuse me. I've dedicated everything else, counting it all as garbage so that I may know Christ. This is the Apostle Paul. Grew up in one of the best, finest Bible colleges around the school of Gamaliel. Went through all that he went through. Became very religious about it. Gets an encounter with God. Gets saved. Gets an, has an encounter with God. And it changes his life. And now he's starting to plow through life. And he's saying, listen, let me just tell you this. I've already seen. I've already tried all of that. And what I've come to the conclusion of, really even Solomon at the end of his life, if you read Ecclesiastes chapter 13, even Solomon, that wisest person that Bob was talking about, and is supposed to be the wisest person, and uh, uh, said this at the end of his life on his deathbed. He says, you know, he says, the, 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 the total of all of life, what I've learned through all of my life and having everything that I've had and, all, and doing everything that I've done is the total, total sum of life is Fear God and keep his commandments. Fear God and keep his commandments. And Jesus tells us that too about love, right? If you love me, do what? Keep my commandments. 
keep my commandments. And, and, and that isn't like this set of rules. The, the commands that he's talking about there is the everyday conversation that you and he have through this journey. And how do you respond to him? And are you responding to him when he speaks to you? Oftentimes, I think we reject what he's saying. So often, we become what the Bible calls dull of hearing. I don't hear him anymore because I quit listening to him. And I quit, I quit realizing having that childlike faith was so important. God, you said to do it. I'm going to go do it. You told me to do this. I'm going to do it. You told me to give this. I'm going to give it. And you just do it. You just kind of start discovering this relationship again that comes from God as you become obedient to his commandments, his commands and what he's saying to you. It was never meant to give you a set of rules and say, okay, here's the, you know, here's the Ten Commandments. Now follow them. Although I believe the Ten Commandments will be in heaven forever and ever, they were never meant for that. He said that was only given to you to lead you to Christ. That's what Galatians, the whole book of Galatians talks about that. So I only gave that to get you to Christ. He needed to let them see themselves not being able to connect with God by themselves because they were living in sin. They were under sin. But they needed God. And so he gives that so that they could see that. So they do what? Cry out to God, as he talked about uh, in, the, in the Old Testament. So make knowing God your number one priority. Jeremiah 29, 13 says, You will find me when you seek me. Say it together with all of your heart. Every last, every last corner of your heart, if you'll seek him. This is an amazing verse here. Jeremiah, one of my faves. Uh, <clears throat> Jeremiah chapter 9 and verse 23. Thus says the Lord, let not the wise man boast in his wisdom and let not the mighty man boast in his might. Let not the rich man boast in his riches, but let him who boasts boast in this, that he understands and he knows me, that I am the Lord who practices steadfast love, justice, righteousness in the earth. For these things I delight, declares the Lord. You see, sometimes you can tell where a person's first love is by what they're bragging about or boasting about. You know, whenever you talk to them, this is all they bring up. You know, I make this much money or I, you know, I, I'm the best hunter in town, the best fisher in town. You know, you can just tell by what they're boasting in constantly, where's their number one priority? And, and, and he's saying, hey, don't boast in any of those things. Make sure your boast is in the Lord. And, and, and when I do that, something begins to happen inside of me. So the question might be is what do you brag about? Is God on the top of your list? Is what Jesus did worth bragging about? Boasting about? Uh, I believe he is. I believe you believe he is. All right, number two. Number two. Slow down and shut up. I mean, slow down and be quiet. Slow down and be quiet. You'll have to stop and take time if you want to build a friendship with God. You're going to have to stop and take time. And, and uh, maybe instead of when you go into your quiet time or your prayer time with the Lord, instead of rattling off your needs, maybe the first thing you should say is, God, is there anything you want to say to me this morning? I, I want to hear your voice. I, I want to know you're here. You know somebody's here when you hear their voice, right? Yeah, right? Same with God. I want to hear your voice, God. 
And, 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 and so I need to slow down to do that. And we all uh, recognize Psalms 46.10. Be still and know, or you can know, that I'm God. Just kind of be still. I've learned to do that in my prayer time is, is you know, the first thing I do is not to rattle off a bunch of stuff. I just stop and slow my heart down and say, God, I'm here to, to connect with you today. I want to encounter you today. I want to, I want to be with you today. I want to hear you today. I, I really, you know, I can't, you know, man can't live by bread alone, but he but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God on an ongoing basis, that's how you will live. That's how I will live. And so I, I get this to this place where I just slow down, be quiet, give God some time, and listen for his voice. I put this up a while back. Go ahead and flip to that next one if it'll show up. Can you guys read that? I, I wonder why I don't hear from the shepherd anymore. And he's got everything happening that can possibly be happening. And man, we are like that. This generation is hurting because of that. They, they, they're, they're saying they can't hear the voice of God. I like this next one. I don't know how it relates to anything, but uh, it says, I think you need a hearing test. Why the heck do I need a hairy chest? Uh, <laughs> what's I think there might be one more. I did like that one. This is kind of cute. Hard of hearing ring, a, ring for the service. And it's just a Liberty Bell, practically. All right, okay, we'll move on. All right, Psalms uh, 25 and verse 14. Psalms 25 and verse 14. Friendship with the Lord is reserved for those who reverence him. With them, he shares the secrets of his covenant. You know, we want to know so much about God and we want to know about his secrets. And, you know, it's, it says that he really doesn't do anything on the earth unless he tells his people. And yet we, we kind of walk and grope around in darkness because we're not connecting with them as a friend and taking that time to hear him. And again, I think more than ever, we have got to tune in. You, you've got to tune in with the Lord. Yeah. You, you've got to be there. Uh, Matthew 6, uh, verses 5 and 6 says, When you come before God, don't turn it into a theatrical production. Just find a quiet, secluded place so you won't be tempted to role play before God. Just be there as simply and honestly as you can, as you can manage. The focus will shift from you to God and you will begin to sense His grace. Can I just make a statement about this and just just to be really transparent with you. I think it is time that we turn our cell phones completely off or put them in another room if we're going to seek the Lord. Get an old-fashioned hard Bible. They still work. If you, if you need the word, get that because you and I both know even on silence, it's going gonna, it's gonna to distract you. Isn't that right? And they say that it takes a eight to 10 seconds. Once your mind gets distracted, it takes eight to 10 seconds to get back. That's why it's so dangerous to drive and text. That's why it's so dangerous to do anything and drive. Yeah. Yeah. Except for maybe eat, okay? <laughs> <Just> eat. 
But you know what I'm saying? He, it, we, I think we have to come to that point to say, okay, I'm just going to put that phone, I'm going to put that in the other room, or I'm going to turn it completely off because my whole focus is going to be on God. I'm not going to let some silly, whatever I think might be more important, get in my way. And whatever excuse you have, get rid of it and turn off the phone or put it in the other room. Can I get a small amen? It's killing our relationship with God. It's killing our prayer times. But I got the Bible on it. Get a hard Bible. Come on, I just, let's just do something to, to, to build this friendship with God. I, have you ever been with somebody that texts through your whole conversation with them? I might be guilty of that, so I don't want to push too hard. Okay, all right. Number three, are you ready? Number three, decide whose friendship you really want the most. Decide whose friendship you really want the most. Are you willing to want Jesus to be your very BFF or what? Make him your best. 1 Timothy 6, 21 says, Some people have wandered from the faith by following such foolishness. So it's easy for us just to drift away from the faith. That's what I'm saying, and I think many people are there today somewhat because of the social media thing. We've just kind of slowly let that take over our every second, our every, uh, every moment. James 4.4, you should know that loving the world is the same as hating God. Now that's a pretty frank statement, isn't it? Loving the world is the same as hating God. Anyone who wants to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. When you think about your relationship with God, it should be bringing you joy, excitement, and happiness, and peace, and all the things that we go through that his name means and who he is. Uh, John chapter 15, 9 through 11, I love this. It says, I've loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love, and when you obey my commandments, you remain in my love. Just as I obey my Father's commands and I remain in His love, I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. Can you imagine that? If you, just, if you really begin to learn how to connect with God as a friend, not only in the morning but throughout the day, the Bible gives us a promise of joy overflowing. The fourth thing in the building of this friendship with God is to, to maintain a constant conversation. We all know that the Apostle Paul said, pray all the time. Pray all the time. And, and, and really open yourself up to that. Philippians 3 says, my, uh, 3 verse 10 says, my determined purpose is that I may know him, that I may progressively become deeply, intimately acquainted with him, perceiving and recognizing and understanding the wonders of his person more strongly and more clearly. So the apostle is speaking to us, one who actually uh, apparently went to heaven and came back uh, a number of times on his journey, literally went to heaven came back and it, you know, he said, I don't know if I was there or not, but I sure was close. It was something, either heaven came to him or he went to heaven. And, 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 and so he's a, he's a man teaching us now saying, this is what I want you to know. And I think it's just totally awesome. And then the last, the last point here, and, and I'll wrap it up with this here, uh, is trust him with your pain. Trust him with your pain. You know, there's a lot of challenges in life, and we all experience and face things that, you know, really are hurtful. 
you know, in, 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 in many different ways. And, uh, and yet, somehow, I have to learn to trust him with those pains, whether they're relational pains, whether they're physical pains, uh, whatever they are. You know, the, the scripture instructs us, instructs us in Psalms 55, 22. It says, cast all your cares on the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never let the righteous fall. And so what he's saying is really the, the word there literally just means drop them. Let them go. Yeah. Just let them go. Let them go. You're going to give them to the Lord because he's going to take care of you. And he's going to carry you through these things. Um, Jesus said this in John 16. He says, I've told you all uh, this so that you may have peace in me. In other words, he's, he's going to give them this exhortation so they can maintain the peace of God inside of them no matter what's about to happen to them. And in this particular day, it was going to be rough. Some of them were going to be crucified. Some of them were going to be hung upside down. Uh, one of the apostles were sawn in half. And, 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 he, and he says this here, I told you this, that you may have peace in me. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I've overcome the world. So you don't have to worry about those things. And, and I think if we can learn to just, uh, just trust him again, God, I don't understand why this happened. I don't understand why I lost a fortune. I don't understand why I lost a, a friend or a spouse or a, a, a child. I don't understand these things, God. I don't understand why I'm sick. I don't understand why these things are happening. Cast him on the Lord. Because yeah. he's got you covered already. And that's what he really wants you to do. He wants us to learn to do that so that we can have his peace and we can walk in this friendship with him knowing that no matter what, he's going to take care of me. No matter what I've faced, no matter what's going to happen, what has happened, what might happen tomorrow, I can trust God. Amen. And that's the place. That's what a friend does. A friend knows this. And through that, and I can remember when I was paralyzed up to my nose for two months, I can remember that uh, when the Lord dropped that uh, verse out of Philippians chapter 1 in my heart, he said, you know, to, to die would be to gain, but to live would be to preach the gospel. I, I can remember that coming into my spirit and brought a peace to me throughout all that I went through. And it was painful. It was terrible. And they didn't know what to do with it because it was so rare. And that some of the treatments they did were wrong. And some of the things that happened, uh, three times I should have died, but uh, the Lord sent a nurse in at the exact moment to, to, to take care of what was done wrong. And, and it just uh, the whole process, though, there was this peace inside of me, and I was just watching what was happening, because I couldn't talk because I had a trait. And I was just watching what was happening, but there's something that can come into you no matter what it looks like. I mean, they were telling me, you know, we're going to, well, first they told me I was going to die. I didn't die. I brought all the family through to say goodbye, and I'm still here. The second thing was, they said, well, you're going to be in a convalescent home because you're on all this equipment. You cannot go home the rest of your life. And the enemy tries to lie to us that the circumstance and the situation that we're in is somehow going to overtake us. But my Lord brought a peace inside of my heart. And I think of this verse often. Be of good cheer. He overcame the world. And it just brought something that really literally transformed my life. I have never been the same since that experience. And, 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 
And I can tell you with assurity, he's faithful. I want to close just by bringing up two kinds of people here this morning. The first one is those that may be in the middle of trouble. Maybe you've got stuff that you're facing that's pretty big. You know, you're just smack dab in the middle of some challenge, some hardship, something's not going right, loss of job, whatever. Uh, and, and I just want to just bring to your remembrance what he said in Psalms. He says in Psalms 91, 14, I'll get you out of your trouble and I'll give you the best care if you'll only get to know and trust me. See, the prerequisite is you don't have to do something better. You don't have to get perfect and be perfect. He said, no, just get to know me and to trust me because then you'll be able to give it to me. You're not going to give him anything that you don't trust him with. And, and, and yet he cares for us. So maybe you're here today and I'm going to pray in a, in a few minutes that you're here today and then that's your sit. You're in the middle of it. You're just like, man, Lord, I don't know what to do. It's just impossible to me. It seems impossible. And the second person is maybe those who've drifted away from God. Those that have drifted away from God. And, and, and there's usually a reason that that happens, you know, and uh, lots of reasons. You know, we get offended or we get disappointed and maybe no, the, not the right answer that we were expecting or we prayed for. And, and we just get offended and, and, and something happens inside of us and, and, and we begin to, the, the, the Apostle Paul calls it, I start drifting away. In other words, I just stay away from God a little bit more. I don't want to go pray with somebody that I'm so disappointed in. And I, and I don't recognize it at first because really I do love God hasn't ever been a loss of love. I, I love him for saving me, but I'm just drifting apart now and I've lost the friendship. I've lost the, the experience of God's presence. I've lost meeting with him and I have to do stuff just because I know it's right and it's what he's calling me to do, but I'm not experiencing his presence. Jeremiah 15, 19 gives us the solution to this. If you return to me, I love it, this is a gracious God. We're in the Old Testament, folks. This is a gracious, loving God. If you can't find it in the New Testament, go to the Old Testament and you'll find it. If you return to me, I will restore you so you can continue to serve me. If you speak words that are worthy, you will be my spokesman. You are to influence them. Don't let them influence you. So in other words, I've let things begin to influence me. And God said, no, I'm calling you back. And then just the last verse here before we pray. John 15, verse 13 and 14. No one shows greater love than when he lays down his life for his friends. Are you, and you are my friends, if you do what I command you to do. I'm believing the Holy Spirit is going to begin to open up a fresh conversation with you. Because again, the commands aren't go find some commands in the Bible and try to follow them. It's on everyday life. When you face things, are you calling out on God? Or are you making all these decisions yourself about how you're going to handle life situations? 
You know, I mentioned to you a while back that my neighbor, you know, totally messed up my back fence. And at first it was a real issue and I was trying to decide what do I do with this? You know, my nature was giving me, my old nature was giving me a very clear answer. <laughs> I'll be honest with you. And I had to wrestle through and wrestle through and wrestle through not letting that old nature become the boss. But at the same time, the still small voice kept speaking to me. You know, it wasn't saying the Old Testament, you know, uh, it's from the behind, back of you, he'll speak to you. He'll just tell you which way, go left or go right. And I just felt the Holy Spirit continuing to tell me to just love on him. Don't worry about a stupid fence. And, and just really being clear with me about it, you know. And I thank God for that because now we have a relationship which we would have lost completely. I haven't shared the gospel with them yet, but I intend on it. But I needed to build the relationship with them. And I just say, God, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you for your faithfulness to speak to me. That's keeping his commands. He's, what is he saying to you today in everyday life? Would you just bow your heads for me for just a second? If you're online, just close your eyes for a second. And <clears throat> I just, this, this whole friendship thing, if you can step into it, he's gonna change who you are. He's gonna change your life and, and we're gonna be the, the friend of God. The friend of God, and the, as I read earlier, it comes with joy and, and joy is in the Bible becomes our strength. And we become strong in him and we're not just floundering around or just trying to barely make it, but we're starting to see the supernatural undescribable God work in us and through us as he gives us his heart and orders. So maybe you're the person that you just need to drop something. Maybe it's an unforgiveness. Uh, maybe it's a bitterness. Uh, things that are killing your spirit. Whatever it might be. Anger at somebody. Parents, kids, people, anybody. Bosses, employees, maybe you just need to drop it down. I'm going to ask you to do that. Just let it go. Just open your hands even as a prophetic act and let it go. And then the, the other one is that you know yourself that you've drifted away. And yeah, you're still being somewhat faithful in the religious stuff that you do. But you're really not experiencing his joy and presence. I, I just want to plead with you this morning to yield to whatever he's saying to you today and let's seal it with prayer and let's ask God to open up something brand new in our lives it is so easy as a believer in our culture to drift away to slowly get away from that but God's pulling us back and he needs us back we need to be back so let's just pray you just voice in your heart whatever maybe the Holy Spirit is saying to you Father, I thank you this morning that your word is so powerful and so clear to lead us back to you and, and lead us into a relationship that you desire for us to have. And I pray for every one of us here this morning that whatever word has pricked our heart or prompted our hearts, God, would we would right now just receive it and say, I take that in. I take it in, Father God, I love you, and I receive it today, and I will do something with what you've said. I will take it with me. I'll take the word of God with me. I want to be your friend, God. 
be your friend, God. And Lord, today, I pray if there's anyone here that has not accepted you as their Lord and Savior, and maybe you're online, and you've never really experienced getting that new heart, which I think has just become so clear. Yes, I absolutely, no doubt, have received a brand new heart. I just maybe stepped into church and started going and was content with that. I pray today that they would have an understanding of just our standing with uh, uh, away from you because of our sin nature. And if we would just ask you to forgive us and ask you to come in and be our friend and Lord and Savior, that you would so quickly do it. It just takes a prayer. It just takes a response to the, what the Spirit is doing if he's knocking on the door of your heart. And God, I thank you for those that will be doing that even now. And just pray your blessing and favor over it. Lord, we love you. <laughs> Put your word deep in our spirit. We walk away today with the amazing love joy of God in our lives. Refresh us in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, Amen, Amen and Amen.